When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, it's been a minute. How you doing? You good? Been a month's worth of minutes. <laughs> it sure has. In a month, it has been. I we, Okay, so let's start here. Yes, it has been over a month since we have recorded and posted an episode Whoops. for you all. We got whoops. Uh, apologize for that. That was not the intent. We have literally tried to record episodes like six times um, at least. Stuff has happened. Your sister got married. My sister's getting married. You're getting married. My kid was sick. I am. I started a new job. Uh, I think we've both been on trips of some sort. Like, yeah, so it's been a busy month in the life of you boys. Yes. Yes. I. I feel bad about not recording, but at the same time, I also don't. So, <laughs> yeah, kind of where we're at. Yeah, if you are craving college football news in the middle of May, there are places you can get it, but you know, that, that's okay. It was not here. It was not on this feed. We have also not set that uh, set that expectation in previous off seasons. So, for what that's worth, uh, Mike, as it happens in the off season, we do pile up some some things we need to address here uh, after the previous month. Uh, we have a question from a listener. We have uh, some interesting win totals we're going to get to. But first off, the thing that happened right after we last recorded and things you might have forgotten about already, uh, the NFL draft happened. Like, <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, if that feels like you know almost a month ago, well, it was. Um, interesting year for the ACC. They had the number one player overall taken. Obviously, that was Trevor Lawrence, as we knew it would be like two years ago maybe three, four years ago. Uh, Clemson actually had two of the six ACC players taken in the first round, Jalen Phillips and Gregory Rousseau, both defensive ends out of Miami. And then your Virginia Tech Hokies, Mike. Corner, Caleb Farley. Offensive tackle, Christian Derisaw. So Virginia Tech just pumping out those first-round draft picks to go with the uh, the big postseason performances, right? Yeah, I feel like they have almost as many draft picks every year as they have wins, so that's super <laughs> annoying. Some other interesting names. Uh, Javante Williams went 35th to the Broncos. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr., 47th to the Chargers. Tutu Atwell, 57th to the Rams. Did you see Tutu Atwell's measurements, by the way, in some of the, the draft lead-up? Ridiculous. Literally weighed in at 165 pounds. <laughs> Literally, like, if he breathes funny, he's going to break a rib. You're going to get broken in half, bro. Uh, yeah. Boogie Basham, 61st to the Bills. Uh, Andre Sisco out of Syracuse to the Jaguars at 65. Aline McNeil to the Lions at 72. Chaz Surratt to the Vikings at 78. Uh, I mean, a number of guys here from the conference, big names we've talked about over the years, 
even the first three, four rounds. Uh, Michael Carter, the other running back out of North Carolina, uh, to the Jets in the fourth round. Des Fitzpatrick to the Titans right after that. Uh, Most importantly, the thick punter, uh, Presley Harvin III, goes 254 overall to the Steelers. So Thick with three Cs. Yeah, that's right. At least. At least. Lots of Cs there. Um, Mike, any any other names here jump out to you? Anything interesting draft-wise as it relates to the ACC overall? Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech going to the Raiders. And I really like that pick, not only because he's a Hokie, but because he can kind of fit that hybrid safety role. And if there's one place where, you know, you're not really a surefire positional fit, but you could find some success, it's probably with John Gruden. I mean, he's found a way to, you know, get guys to fit in, you know, positions where they're not traditionally molded out to be. And, um, Diablo is a guy who's been really good against the run. He improved against the pass this past year. And the biggest question kind of going into the last couple of years was durability. And he feels, it feels like he's kind of passed that test now. So I think there's opportunity for value there. My favorite pick out of all the ACC guys. And, you know, I, I love Trevor Lawrence, obviously, but the pick for me was Javante Williams going to the Broncos. I think it's a really, really good situation for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon, obviously on, the back half of his prime to put it nicely. And I think when you add a younger running back into the fold there, you know, there's going to be carries for Williams and, you know, I've gotten the question on, on radio recently, you know, who was your favorite North Carolina running back? Was it Carter or Williams? And in my opinion, you can't really go wrong. They're both so good between the tackles, but I think Javante Williams is a little bit more upside just because of his ability as a receiver out of the backfield. And so I think he has an opportunity to really thrive with Denver. I think it's a really good situation for him. I think as far as fit is concerned, that's probably my favorite pick in the first round. Um, I think he has a really good opportunity there. Yeah, it's that that ability to impact the game in the passing game that I've kind of come to realize the last couple years. I mean, that's basically like a baseline requirement for running backs these days. It, at almost any level of, of major football, right, is – and it's the same thing. I mean, so you said Michael Carter. I mean, he he can contribute out of the backfield. Javante Williams probably even better. And that's the other thing that we say about Travis Etienne. Like, he is fantastic catching the football and catching and running. Um, you know, guys that you can you can line up as a running back and then motion them out into, into receiver spots and cause huge mismatches with a defense. Um those those are really valuable things in today's game, and so that's I think that's a, a pretty base requirement for that position, um, really for any any level that you see here in the ACC or even above. Um, Mike, I, I thought it was an interesting note. Of ACC teams, thirteen out of fourteen had at least one draft pick. Do you know the team that did not have a single one? The Duke Blue Devils. Duke had three. Four, actually. Sorry. Uh, Chris Rumpf in the fourth round. Michael Carter, Noah Gray in the fifth round. And Victor Dumukeje in the seventh, sixth round. Sorry. We already established that Syracuse had one. Yeah, it's Cisco. Uh, I'll give you a hint. This is going to be a team that you're not really going to mind saying they didn't have anybody drafted. The Virginia Cavaliers. That is correct. It is the Virginia Cavaliers, the only ACC team that did not have anybody drafted in this year's draft. I think that was interesting. Um, that Obviously, I mean, they had multiple guys drafted last year. I could probably go pull this up real yeah. quick. Um, this is not like a long-term trend or anything, but more just... No. 
Let's see. Not last a shot year. at their program, but it does feel good to say that. <laughs> last year had Joe Reed and Bryce Hall both taken in the fifth round. Um, and Bryce Hall would have been a lot yeah. higher if he hadn't injured himself pretty badly there late in the season. Um, so Yeah, um, he, he was like a surefire, at least top two-round pick. I mean, he was a guy who was supposed to go a lot earlier than he did. Yep. Yep. So interesting, interesting little NFL draft here. I thought for for the ACC, um, interesting. Like again, I don't know how many times in the last few years you've had four Duke players taken. Um, the first time in in a number of years that Georgia Tech has had multiple players drafted. Jalen Camp also went in the sixth round. Um, so interesting seeing kind of everybody be able to participate a little bit here. That's it's kind of a fun a fun little aspect of it, I suppose. Yep. Yeah, only one team couldn't participate, and nobody cares about them anyway. <laughs> Uh, banana slug's gonna love that. Uh, Mike, <laughs> let's move on. We mentioned we had a question, and and this came from Mr. Keith Derrick, uh, one of our most loyal listeners. And Keith, first of all, you sent this in like days after our pr- our previous recording, and so really apologize. This has been in our inbox for literally a month now. Um, wanted to make sure we got to it. Uh, a couple of questions built in here. Uh, says sorry, another Georgia Tech question. First off, don't apologize for that. We will. We will answer Georgia Tech questions or anything else that you send in, um, ex- with the exception of that one question that some random account sent in one time that was really inappropriate and strange. And so, anyways, <laughs> what will be the strength of the Georgia Tech football program next year? Offense, defense, or special teams? Um, and, and Mike, I definitely have thoughts about this. Does, does anything stick out to you initially here? Uh, Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs. So. I'm going to go offense. Yeah. I mean, so that that would be, I guess they'll technically be classified still as true freshmen, um, but would be their second year <laughs> on the field in, in the system. You know, you, you'd hope to see some development from Jeff Sims and, uh, you know, continued development from an already pretty electric Jameer Gibbs. I would actually argue the defense needs to be the strength of this team. Um, and it's for a couple of reasons. A, I mean, that's that's where you have the most talent on the roster is on the defense, uh, especially in the secondary. Um, they've done some really good recruiting really in the back seven in general. Um, they've gotten some key transfers in, in the back seven and even a little bit up front. I mean, they, there is more talent on the defensive side of the ball for this team, a and B for a guy like Jeff Collins, whose background is defensive and all that. I mean, we saw the defense take a, a significant step up in his first year of coaching and they saw a pretty significant step back in year two. Uh, I, I think you really need to reverse the course there and, and maybe even do even better than you did year one here with a year three team with a, a you know, a, a secondary that has a lot of seniority there uh, and, and a, overall a defense that has a lot of talent. Um, frankly, I think if, if the defense struggles this fall again in the way that it did last year, you might be looking at possibly replacing Andrew Thacker as a defensive coordinator. Um because there's, there's not a lot of good reason or explanation for, for this defense not being at least middle of the pack, if not upper half of the ACC. It is Jeff Collins' strength, right? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be. It is, yeah. It's supposed to be. I mean, he ran um, he ran really successful defenses at Mississippi State and Florida. I felt like his defense, especially in year one, considering like, they didn't really know what offense they were running. I thought the defense was fine. And then I expected the defense to be a lot better than it was last year. Mm-hmm. It was actually like the narrative almost just completely flipped. Like 
the offense was in several games, the strength of the team, which I didn't expect with a true freshman quarterback um, and a true freshman running back, of course, but Gibbs is just, you know, Gibbs and Sims were just very good, but Mm -hmm. it's just not what you were expecting on paper going into the year. I agree with you. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's really important for the defense to get back on track. Um, Once you get into year three, I think, you know, you're starting to have a lot of, lot of your guys on the roster and especially in the era of the transfer portal you know you're bringing guys in that you're handpicking um, that have some collegiate experience and anytime you bring those guys in the fold especially now you know it, there's less time for excuses and it was a weird year last year with COVID and all that they didn't have a true offseason of development and you know you want to be able especially with a new program to be able to hit the ground running coaching and they didn't really have an opportunity to do that with like their first true off season. Um, so, I mean, there, there's elements to that too, that you almost want to give a lot of teams a pass for, but this is a really important year, especially on the defensive side of the ball for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and something you said, I mean, and in fairness to, to this staff and this team, I mean, defense across, across the board in college football last year was a bit rough. I mean, the tackling yeah. was bad. The, the, there was confusion and miscommunication. I mean, these guys just didn't have the opportunity to practice or play as much as they normally would have together. That that really makes a pretty huge impact on how well a defense can gel. And so that's where I, I mean, I'll give them a little bit of a pass. Mm-hmm. It just it's strange though watching a, a unit that basically brought back everybody from the previous year, and all of a sudden it's like they don't know where to be or they they can't communicate or, or you know you're, you're blowing coverages and doing things that's like you weren't doing this in year one. Why are all the same guys now screwing this up in year two like that? Yeah. And and it wasn't just at Georgia tech, but the quality of football last year was just down across the board, especially in the early part of the year. I mean, I think towards the end of the year, once we got into the playoff, you know, it felt like the teams were better and hitting their stride and all that. But, you know, it just felt like a lot of teams across college football just never really hit the ground running like you'd expect in, in the month of September. It just didn't happen. And a lot of schools didn't even get to play until, you know, October and November. It was just a weird year. Yep. Yep. So I, I tend to think that'll improve this year. Uh, I, I would really expect to see it improve. And the other thing that'll happen too, is that this year the returning production numbers are like through the roof across the board. Right. And especially yep. in the ACC, I think the ACC, I, I believe was like second among the power five conferences in returning production behind the Pac-12 that basically just didn't yep. play last year. So, um, yeah, I, I tend to think that'll that'll be an improvement across the board here. Um, yeah. Mike, the other question that Keith asked, I uh, had a couple of questions kind of surrounding Notre Dame. I said, what will it take to get Notre Dame into the conference? What is the money deal with NBC? How big of a role will that play in getting them into the ACC? And do you want Notre Dame in the conference? Now, for those unaware... Mike is, of course, a major Notre Dame fan and has been for life. Mike, you have thoughts here? I would um, – I'd like to see Notre Dame in the conference. Um, I would also like to see Notre Dame play their traditional rivals too. Um, it kind of – it's interesting. This kind of goes against what I've been preaching with the ACC with my preference for the ACC to go to 10 conference games and two non-conference games. Um because in Notre Dame's case, they were in the conference. That makes it really difficult to keep some of those traditional opponents on the schedule. Um, Notre Dame always plays Navy. So then, you know, if you think that 
you know, the ACC were to go to a 10 game scheduling model where they have 10 conference games and two non-con games, you know, you're always going to have Navy. And then who's that other team? Is it USC? Is it Michigan? Is it Michigan state? Who is it? And if, and if you don't you know, know the the background on that Navy Stanford. rivalry, it's it's really really cool, very fascinating, and and one of the I think one of the cooler stories in college football in general. Yeah, um, so that game's not going away. So then, you know, one of USC or Stanford remains on the schedule at that point, and the other one becomes a rotating opponent, kind of like Michigan has turned into um, over the past I don't know six seven years. So uh, yeah, it would be it would be cool. Um, to see Notre Dame in a conference. I also understand to a degree why they don't. I also understand why people are pissed off about that. Right. I mean, there's multiple, multiple elements to it. Um, you know, I, I get it, you know, for Notre Dame, I get it right. Like, um, you'll get into those NBC numbers in a minute, Joey. Um, cause you have those right there in front of you. There was a point in time where that NBC television contract paid for the entire Notre Dame athletic department. I don't know if that's still the case with the numbers that you're going to read off, but that was a big driving factor for a while as to why Notre Dame wouldn't join a conference. Now, um, I think it's more the exclusivity, right? And being on national TV, the recruiting draw, right? Being able to say you're on like national TV for every single home game on a set station, right? And Notre Dame's on national TV every week, so I don't know how big of a deal that is to a kid who's 18 now, but it is cool to have, you know, Notre Dame football on NBC, um, and that's going to appeal to kids in the Midwest who may have grown up as Notre Dame football fans. And there's a lot of good football players in that, you know, Ohio River Valley where Notre Dame traditionally recruits. Um, so I, I think it's a recruiting thing. Most of all, it's a money thing for Notre Dame, right? And I, I think the reason why the agreement with the ACC worked the way that it did last year during COVID is because Notre Dame agreed to share that NBC TV money with the other ACC institutions. If they don't want to do that, they're never joining the conference. Like if they don't want to do that on a, on a regular basis, like that's, that's the bottom line, regardless of what the numbers are behind the contract. If Notre Dame doesn't want to share the money, they're never going to get into the ACC period, in my opinion. The money thing is is the really interesting part of this, and you, you mentioned the TV contract, Mike. And yeah, I I had looked this up about a year ago when we found out that Notre Dame was going to join the ACC on just a one year basis, because so much was made of well, they've got that NBC TV contract and it's exclusive, you know, but they 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 make so much money off of it, and I was like. I'm kind of curious just to understand kind of the gravity uh, of how much more money do they make off of NBC than any anybody in the ACC makes off of this ESPN TV contract? Uh, it turns out it's less, Mike. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. Uh, off NBC and ACC, this is, uh, by the way, an article from back in August of last year from the Notre Dame Rivals site. It says off NBC and ACC TV revenue, Notre Dame made $22 million while each ACC school earned an average of $29 million, according to an ESPN report. Um, Notre Dame also earns $3.2 million from the college football playoff each year, no matter if it was selected or not, which, man, that's that's fantastic. That's hilarious. Um, but it, it's interesting because, yeah, the long and short of it is Notre Dame actually benefited 
from a TV money standpoint from joining the ACC for a year. So as as big and prestigious as that TV contract used to be for Notre Dame, the way that these things have developed over the, over you know recent years, like they've actually kind of gotten passed up. And and so from a, a financial standpoint, from a TV contract standpoint, it might benefit them to join the ACC. They might make more. And and the other thing that we've kind of mentioned that that does for the ACC is that the ACC's locked into this contract with ESPN through like. 2036 bad it's a this is a huge problem because they're already making less on that tv deal than the likes of the sec the big 10 maybe even the big 12 are making off of their in 2021 in 2021 like yeah without that 15 year runway you're already making less money and now you got a decade and a half before that contract expires and the sec like just re-upped with espn they're gonna start getting more I believe the, the the Big Ten is likely to start getting more. Mm-hmm. So the thing that Notre Dame joining the conference allows you to do is basically say, well, ESPN, the terms have changed. You know, we now have a 15th team. We have another another property here that we can sell. Um, and it enables you to go back and renegotiate that deal to where you can get something that's a little bit more equivalent to what these other conferences are seeing, and you can avoid falling behind in the constant arms race that college football has become over the last 15 years. Right. So I, right. from that standpoint, it's, it's a huge deal if Notre Dame is to join the conference. And I, I think too, if Notre Dame joins the conference, I think you have to go divisionless. Yeah. It's either that, or I mean, maybe you add one more to become a, a an even 16 teams and then, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're basically pushing the limits at this point of how you schedule and organize and, you know, right. so something stru- like it would be a pretty significant structural change to add one or two more teams at this point. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this before. It might have even been on the mailback episode. Who's that second team? Uh, yeah, that's that's a good question. And it's yeah, it's interesting on multiple levels and. There, there's another podcast I was listening to the other day that was kind of speculating on what this realignment might look like. And if you've listened to us for any amount of time and you know any of the other podcasts that we listen to, and you can probably guess which one is going to talk about realignment, speculative moving forward. But the idea was basically that there's probably a better chance here in the next few years that you have one of the power conferences more or less like dissolve and the other four basically beef up a little bit and, and, kind of take on a more commanding role within how college football is governed. Um, now, for what it's worth, the idea there is that the ACC would not be the conference that is dissolving. The, the ACC is in good shape from a, a yeah. you know, being being um, sustainable, we'll say. Really, it's it's the Big 12 and the Pac-12 that I think are, are the two that would be candidates for that, so... The, the two conferences that are having the most trouble consistently putting a team in the playoff are the two conferences you need to look at, Yeah, honestly. From the standpoint of, you know, if that were to happen, realignment were to happen, it's like, okay. I'd be worried. I mean, if, if I were you, I'd be worried about the Big 12, I think, first. Because the Pac-12 at least has hoops, right? And they have enough, like, I feel like they have enough pull, especially now that they got Larry Scott out of town. Like, I feel like 
they're trending in a really good direction. Whereas the big 12, I feel like could be treading water a little bit. That's just my opinion. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the big 12 is also just obscenely top heavy. I mean, with Texas and Oklahoma and then an enormous gap before you get to like the third most influential program in that conference. Right. Like, right. So it would take just one or maybe both of them leaving the conference to where the rest of them have zero pull collectively against anybody else, you know, from a money and power standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So, agree. so anyways, yes, th- those are kind of some thoughts there. I mean, as far as do I want Notre Dame to join the ACC, I would say, yeah. I mean, I think it very clearly raises the profile of the conference. It, you know, it, it adds some extra competition there at the top for, for football. And I think that's, that's good. A raising a rising tide lifts all ships. Bad boy. You know, I, I really like that phrase a lot more than my ability to say it would, uh, would imply. I'm really bad at repeating it, but I, I like it a lot. You we'll nailed see. it. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, any other thoughts on Notre Dame to the ACC? I think they should come home to the ACC. <laughs> come home. Come home, Come baby. home to Jesus. All their other sports play in the ACC. Why not football? Come on. Water's fine. I don't really understand. The, the whole Notre Dame and the ACC thing still, like, not to just be leaker the point. We can talk about this another time, but the whole Notre Dame and the ACC thing just still does not really make a lot of sense to me, but it's all good. <laughs> For another time. For another time. Well, I mean, it, it, you look at who they've traditionally played on the football side, and I will say, like, when they were in the Big East for basketball, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. They just they sound like a Big Ten team. Notre Dame is like that that celebrity or, like, that movie star who's, like, in their 60s and has never been married. Like, has had maybe, like, you know, a girlfriend here or there, but, like, mostly just kind of goes around and does their own thing and hangs out with whoever they want to, whenever they want to. And like, yeah. Right. Because like they're the only team in the country that's got standing rivalries with, you know, USC, Stanford, Michigan, Navy, like, and they've, they've lost one or two since starting this ACC deal. I was racking my brain earlier trying to remember who they used to play more. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan state, Purdue, uh, Stanford, USC, Navy. That was like the core six games they would play every year. Um, and then you get a bunch of randos on there, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, but they always put together like a pretty competitive schedule. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of folks who hate Notre Dame would be like, oh, I mean, yeah, they have a tough schedule on paper. And then they play like Florida State in week eight and Florida State's like, you know, four and three with a bye week. It's like, okay, well, it's not exactly how they drew it up. Prestige. Yeah. Didn't they also have a game a couple of years ago scheduled? Like they played army in San Antonio. Like they, yep. They've done some pretty wonky stuff like that. They played Syracuse in like the Meadowlands slash MetLife stadium, whatever. Like I was there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. That was, uh, Deshaun Kaiser versus Eric Dungy, and neither team played any defense. That was a year. That was a 2016 Notre Dame when they went four and eight. So, so didn't that game go like over a hundred total points or something like that? That was a wild game. Yeah, um, you and I both took the under on the show, and then um, I <laughs> Notre Dame I think proceeded or Notre Dame and Syracuse proceeded to exchange touchdowns on the first six drives of the game. 
Yeah, so, that sounds right. And the, and the over was done by like the mid second quarter, or the, the under yes. was done by mid second quarter or something. Like that. Yeah, it sounds. Yeah, right. you had texted me. That was our first. That was our first year doing the podcast, Brazier. And you had texted me, and you were like, uh, "Whoops." <laughs> Maybe we're yep. not good at this. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, that's probably enough Notre Dame talk Expert. for now. What's that? Yeah, calling ourselves experts, it's a loose term. <laughs> a little bit, little bit tongue-in-cheek. A little bit tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Um, all right, Mike. Last thing we wanted to get to here on this episode, uh, I got an email today. And, as, of course, as fate would have it, you know, we're trying to pull together a show because it's been a while, and we're trying to figure out something to talk about. And sure enough, like a gift, like just manna from heaven falls into my email inbox, and we have... <laughs> We from heaven. We have win totals for all of the ACC's teams for this fall. Mike, are you ready? I am, with no some, schedules in front of me. Give me some initial thoughts. Yeah, and I was going to say, there is there's one of these, and which one may surprise you, um, since this is now like a BuzzFeed article slash podcast, um, which one might surprise you, but one of these really stuck out to me is like a, I might go hop in this like right now. So... Okay. See if you can uh, identify that one as it comes up. Uh, we're just going to go. Sure. You want to go alphabetical order or like high to low or how, how are you going to do this? Let's go high to low. Let's high go to high to low. low. All right. Excel data sort by. This is great. Great content. Uh, largest to small. Yeah, well. Clemson, 11 and a half. <clears throat> I mean. They could lose to Georgia. Name another loss on their schedule if they lose to Georgia. The only other thing I could maybe come up with is just this the stupid like freshman quarterback, you know, replacing some skill talent loss. Like you gotta go to Pittsburgh in October. Um That's pretty funny because I was like, all right, name the other loss, Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I mean, that one can definitely get weird. And that's, by the way, that's after a Friday night in the Carrier Dome. Um, yeah. Which has previously been a house of horrors. Like, this, like it could happen. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the bet is you're, you're basically betting will they or won't they beat Georgia opening weekend. I'll tell you what. If Clemson finds a way to lose to this year's Syracuse team, somebody's <laughs> getting fired. And it's not Dabo. Somebody's getting fired. It's probably uh, probably one of the members of the uh, khaki pants army there on the sidelines. Um, God. Yeah. Yes. Over, under, leave it alone. Um, I'm going to leave that alone because I have no idea what to expect in that first game of the year. I feel like um, I, I honestly feel like Georgia is in a better spot in week one just because JT Daniels and your – you're bringing back more certainty and, and a guy who's just played more football. If that game is later in the year, I'm probably taking Clemson, but in week one, that could be dicey. But I look at the rest of the schedule and I'm like, yeah, who are they going to lose to? So I'm going to leave that alone because I really don't know what's going to happen in week one and I could throw the whole thing off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I kind of tend to think George is going to lose that game to Clemson. Just it's, do you remember the line in uh, the original Avengers movie where yeah. like Loki has just dropped, I think he's dropped the Hulk or whatever. And then he's talking to, was it agent Spencer or whatever as he's dying? And he, he's like, you know, you won't win. And he's like, how could I 
possibly, you know, how would I not win? Like, you know, your heroes are scattered, like all this stuff. And he's like, you lack conviction or something like this. <laughs> That's how I feel when I look at Georgia. It's like, you're not going to win. <laughs> you lack conviction. Like, this, this is not going to work. So... Anyways, yeah, I'd probably leave it alone. That's, I mean, that's a hell of a high number, and you're just not going to get a lot it's, of value. It's hard to take an over on 11 and a half. North Carolina, 10. Under. Yeah? Bro, under. They they bring back Sam Howell, and the rest of the offense is new. Under. I will under. say, I mean, as much as I am high on North Carolina this year, and I very much am, and I love Sam Howell, and I, I mean, I think they're going to be good, but like, I, I mean, I don't see it better than like ten and two. Right, I don't either. They're going to lose under. Yeah, they probably lose at least two of these games somehow, some way. I would say. Yeah, they don't get. Clemson. I agree. Defense, the defense will be very good. Yeah. Um, and I and I think, yeah, I think you go under and. You know what? If they go eleven and one or something like that, fine, and they beat you. You know, but yeah, I feel like I tend to think the worst you're probably going to do is a push there. I don't, I don't think it'll be worse. I, I think they're going to get. I think they're going to be really good eventually this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they're going to be really good in September. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that. It's just you're replacing a lot, like a lot on offense. Two one thousand yard rushers, Deami Brown, Daz Newsom. You're replacing Chester out in the middle of the defense. Like there are some pieces that you can't just replace overnight, in my opinion. But they have Sam Howell, so well, and they've it can only be so bad. They've yeah. started slowly the last couple of years, and I mean, right. Game one is a Friday night in Lane Stadium, taking on the Hokies. Good time to get them. Good time to get them. That's all I'm going to say about that. Good time to get them. I don't anticipate Virginia Tech being very good, but it's a good time to get them. North Carolina, if you're going to get them. Yep. Couldn't ask for a lot more. Uh, Miami, yeah. nine and a half. And remember, they open the season on Saturday in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Michael Scott, gift. <laughs> Not great. Um... I'm going under. I think I got to go under. I mean, show me better than eight and four. You've you've got a built-in loss on this schedule to start the season yeah. with Alabama, and you know what, Miami fans, if that pisses you off to hear, you know what, come yell at me on Twitter. That's fine. I will keep receipts, and we will have this conversation again at about eight o'clock Eastern time on September fourth when they have lost by I don't know like twenty four points or whatever it is to the Tide because that's Alabama fifty two. Miami 12. Yeah, Miami Joey told you so. Yeah. Right. We told you so. And it was May. <laughs> we told you so. Um, told you on May 26th. Mark that down, Joey. <laughs> you got a little notepad there. Yeah. Jot that down. May 26th. I'll, we told you. I'll write that down. Um, yeah. So you have the built-in loss. And then just I, – I just – I generally don't trust this coaching staff to go 9-2 and two against the rest of this slate. Like, there's a couple of tricky spots on the out-of-conference. You should – you should probably go three and one against Alabama, App State, Michigan State, and Co. Not no, was Central Connecticut? I guess that is CCSU. Yeah, Connecticut State. Yeah, but then I, I, I mean, I don't see you going better than six and two against your ACC slate. Well, but we're more talented. You're always more talented. You never go better than six and two. Like, 
<laughs> at some point, there's just a pattern here, Mike. Like, don't be better than eight and four. Um, I mean, Bama's an automatic loss. I have trouble betting the over on on these totals with Miami when or any team really in the ACC when you have an automatic loss on your schedule. Mm-hmm. Like that that kills you. I mean, you're already bringing it down to eleven games. <laughs> like yeah. they're going to get killed by Alabama. Like they're just going to they're going to lose. Um, they got to go on the road to UNC at home against NC state is not going to be an easy game. NC state's probably going to be pretty decent at Pitt. They've never played well at Pitt. Um, they got to go to Blacksburg and they've actually had some success there in recent years and Virginia tech won't be the better team, but that's a tough place to play. Um, at Florida state. I mean, come on, I, this is, you got to go under nine and a half, Joey. They're, yeah. they're going to drop a few. Yeah. Well, that's late season Florida State too, which will have a whole off season and several games of development and yep. you know Mackenzie Milton. I don't know how good Florida season. State will be, but they'll be better than they've been. So yeah, I, I yep. think I think under is the play there. Um, and for what it's worth, yeah. also and Miami always and, and Miami always loses to Duke. Also, Joey. <laughs> oh my God, that's going to be like a free square <laughs> for Virginia Tech and Duke if they lose to Florida State there in mid November. Miami becomes the free square, man. That is, that's it. Um, also, for yeah. what it's worth, with all these numbers, we don't have like actual payout numbers. So, I don't know. I guess just expect everything is minus 110 both ways, but that, that won't actually be the case if you actually go look to uh, put a couple of Bitcoin on it. So, a um, couple Bitcoin. A couple Bitcoin. If, yeah, you're a baller that Omar has, sponsor. If you're a baller that has like $40,000 worth of cryptocurrency sitting around um, and falling by the way but anyways and falling anyways uh mike speaking of that florida state team nine under right like it has to be right we're not gonna fall i i i swear i this time (laughs) this time finally i will not fall into the florida state trap i will not fall into it (laughs) they're not gonna be that good they start the season against notre dame on what Labor Day night, and then or, or is that is that that Sunday night weird game, week one? Um, I mean you get Notre Dame at UNC at Clemson at Boston College at Florida. How how are you winning nine games against that schedule? Yeah, what are what are we missing? I, they can right. and sh- they can and should be better in in year two, but nine wins against that group, like really. Joey, and you know I've been beating the Mackenzie Milton drum, buddy. You know I've been beating that drum, but I don't see it. Do you? I mean, I I don't see it. And the Notre Dame game's an automatic loss. Notre Dame's replacing a lot. Like, Jack Cohn is going to be their quarterback this fall. Like, it's not the traditional powerhouse Notre Dame, but they still got a lot of talent there. Like, and this just programs on two completely different levels right now and you're gonna go to north carolina too um louisville is going to be annoying you got i mean clemson goes without saying florida they have in my opinion joey they have three automatic losses on the schedule <laughs> like hmm. yeah clemson north carolina notre dame clemson north carolina florida and then I think Notre Dame is like the bonus. 
Like, I think there are three teams you can name that they're going to lose to before we even talk about Notre Dame, which in my opinion is an automatic loss, well, even with everything Notre Dame is replacing. Well, and those three losses that you're mentioning, all of them on the road. Like, you don't get any of those all games of at home. Right. Under. I I want to bet that tomorrow. Yeah. Is this the one? Actually, it's not. Um, I, I didn't really oh – I, I, I actually didn't know this – I hadn't looked at the schedule when I was looking at these numbers. I, I thought that number was pretty high, um, I, I, but I wasn't looking at the schedules. Now that I'm looking at it, it's like, holy cow, like what what happened here? So, yeah. Anyways, all right, definitely under on Florida State. And that's interesting because that's now three straight unders here with the 10, 9.5, and 9 number, which if that sounds like we're, we're kind of pessimists, maybe a little bit, but also – it's the ACC, bro. Like, how many nine-win teams do you see in this conference year in and year out? Like, this is not, this is not like a consistent thing. Yeah, one, one Clemson, and then maybe a second one on a good year. Yeah, like Notre Dame. Oh wait, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, Boston College at seven. I'm st- I'm g- I'm gonna be stuck on that Notre Dame comment for a while. Um, <laughs> Boston College, what, eight? Seven. Seven. Oh. Um, let me pull up their schedule, Joey. Um, it seems reasonable. Could go 4-0 out all, of conference. I mean, they always win seven, right? Um, Col- Colgate at UMass at Temple, home against Missouri. Like, that's at least 3-1. and one. Could, yeah. should be 4-0. Um, at Clemson, probably a loss. NC State, toss-up. Louisville, at Louisville, toss-up. Toss Syracuse, that should be a win. Virginia Tech, probably a toss-up. Georgia Tech, probably favored, but also probably a toss-up. Oh, man, I don't know, Joey. Late now now I'm like, going yeah. through the schedule. Florida yeah, it's State, toss-up. Well, and, Wake. and I mean, I think if you look back, I mean, Boston College year one under Halfley with Dracovic and the whole thing, like it, it, like it, it went a lot better than we expected it would. But, like, how much of what you saw was really like, oh, this is definitely, like, one of the better programs in the ACC right now? Eh, I don't know that it was quite that. So, like, how much do, it you, was... how much, how much do you rely on them to definitely go, like, 4-4, four and 5-3 four, and three in the ACC next year? Uh, eh, right. Could, should, but... Well, it just had a different feel because you're getting new blood as a, with a head coach and you're getting new blood at quarterback. And for the first time in a long time, like a really good quarterback. Yeah. And I think that's what made it different. But at the same time, the team as a whole was just okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Joey. I, I think... I mean, seven, seven feels... I mean, seven feels right. I'm going to go over on it. And and the reason I say that is I mean I really feel like within reason this they probably should go 4 and 0 out of conference. And at that point can they go 3 and 5 in the ACC? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah, I think so too, but if they lose one of those non-conference games, I'm having trouble finding four wins in the ACC with conviction. Yeah. Or I guess I mean, five with conviction. Well, yeah, well, yeah, and I, I mean the thought there on, if it were seven and a half, I would I would absolutely just leave it alone. But yeah. being seven, it's like I can get the push. If if you go, 
even you know three and one and then four and four you know 500 in conference so that's kind of where i'm at but i i totally get leaving it alone too because that, that number does seem about right it does i think anything less than seven is probably a disappointment considering how they played last year mm-hmm. but I think we're going to find out pretty quickly whether or not they just kind of caught teams by surprise in a COVID year. Yep. Or whether or not this is like a sustainable thing that Halfley's building. Yep. Yep. So over for me, you're leaving it alone. Uh, your mm-hmm. Hokies, Mike, seven. I'm leaving that alone too. What um, a meh number. <laughs> I mean, it's not an easy schedule. <laughs> like, um, the only reason North Carolina game is a toss up is because you're getting them in the opener and North Carolina is replacing like their entire offense and Surratt. We just talked about that. If Tech's playing North Carolina, like the second week of October, they're probably like an eight or nine point underdog. Um, so, you know, you could, you could potentially surprise them, but you're going to be the underdog there in the opener. Middle Tennessee should win. West Virginia on the road is not an easy game, but it's winnable because um, West Virginia is kind of just there, right? Mm-hmm. I, that's a toss-up. Richmond is – you better beat Richmond. <laughs> um, that you would complete the uh, – that would complete the State of Virginia jamboree for Justin <laughs> Fuente. That, that would get him fired. Um on the tarmac like yeah that's like a lane that's a lane kiffin situation like maybe they're just going to shoot him at the 50 i don't know (laughs) um i don't know what you do i mean you can't really leave him on the tarmac because it's in blacksburg but i mean hey uh justin can you meet me at the airport in 15 minutes uh there's a ceremonial way we do this weird my key fob doesn't work anymore game just ended it's weird (laughs) um no but seriously like fuente loses one of those games every year that you're probably not supposed to lose beamer did too i mean it's just a virginia tech thing like they always lose like a random game naturally um don't let it be richmond i mean the only two teams he hasn't lost to in the state of virginia are james madison and richmond he's lost to liberty he's lost to old dominion he's lost to uva like please don't lose to Richmond. Um, About to hit bingo. I mean, they got they got Notre Dame coming to Blacksburg. That's not going to be great. They do get Pitt at home, which is good because they play Pitt a lot better in Blacksburg than they do on the road. Home against Syracuse should be a win. Georgia Tech on the road is not easy. Um, at BC has not been kind to Virginia Tech. Home against Duke is fine. Home against Miami, probably an underdog there. At Virginia, um, toss-up. <sighs> Seven seems right. I'm leaving it alone. Um, I think they're anywhere from like <laughs> – I could see them going like six and six. I could also see them like winning nine and saving Puente's job. That's like just a Virginia Tech thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> so that's probably on I'd, the table. I'd leave it alone. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna leave it alone as well. There there is a lot of variance here, I think, and I mean a lot of toss up games. And I mean I'm I'm not I haven't ever been confident in this coaching staff. I, I'll just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Yep. Could go a lot of different directions. 
Uh, Louisville, six and a half. It's kind of an interesting number for them. They start off. They start off on a Labor Day night against Ole Miss, which will be interesting. Loss. They get UCF at home. Year one of Malzahn. I mean, you don't know what they're going to be. Uh, a loss at Florida State, kind of early in the year. I don't know. It's it's interesting for Louisville. I don't. I don't know that I have strong feelings about it. Again, this is a team that I just don't feel like I can particularly trust after kind of what the last two years have shown us. Like, could go in a few different directions. That Clemson home against Kentucky. Don't feel confident about UCF game. Don't feel confident about Ole Miss. I, I'm leaving it alone. Yeah. I feel so lame doing these because, like, I just <laughs> Got I'm looking at this in May, and I'm sure I'll feel differently about this when we do our previews. But I'm looking at this in May, and I'm like, ah, man, I don't. I don't know. I mean, Louisville could – their first six games, Joey, home against Ole Miss, home against Eastern Kentucky, home against UCF, at Florida State, at Wake, home against Virginia. I mean, they could go anywhere from, like, two and four to, like, five and one. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Yep. I mean, you really just don't know. I mean, again, the last two years have been such wide variance from that program, and that's without any sort of like real major personnel losses from year one to year two. Right. I mean, it's yeah, it it is hard to say they'll be one thing or another for sure. Um, not to mention all of the Scott Satterfield off-field nonsense that's gone on and. Does he want to be there? Do the players actually like and trust him? Do they want to play for him? Is it going to all fall apart in like week four? Like, who knows? Like, I, I just think you got to leave that alone. That that number is yeah, so, a lot of different. Satterfield, I agree. Um, Satterfield is the Atlantic Division's Justin Fuente. <laughs> like, kind of underwhelming, flirting with other jobs when he probably shouldn't be losing the locker room. It's yeah. wild to me how easy it is for people to forget at this point that Satterfield really only has been there for two years. <laughs> like yes. people talk, people talk about that job. Like it has really kind of run its course and it's time to move yeah. on from it. It's like, it's been two years. Like in the, in the first year, yeah. what they like made a they were like eight and five. Like they were good. Joey, Joey, it's unbelievable. We haven't talked about this enough on the show. The parallels between Louisville and Virginia Tech in terms of the temperature of the job situation is more similar than I think a lot of people give it credit. Like Satterfield, this this went downhill in year two. Um, Fuente went downhill middle of year three. And Fuente made a conference championship game in year one and damn near beat a team that won a national championship mm -hmm. in that conference championship game. Mm -hmm. And then in a span of about 18 months, it did a total 180. And remember what happened with Louisville? I mean, they opened the Satterfield era by playing Notre Dame tight at home. Mm -hmm. And then it's just kind of all been downhill since then. I mean, it was a really good year one. They made a ball game. That was a surprise. Year two was like, not great. Mm -hmm. Not great. And then he's flirting with their job. He's like, yeah, well, my family's there. It's like, all right, dude, do you want to be here or not? 
It's literally a 180. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. The life and times of Louisville and just ACC teams in general. What is sport? Yeah. Uh, Mike Pitt, six and a half. Probably under. Can we please get Pat Arduzzi out of there for the love of God? Mike, over. Hammer it. Really? Hammer really? the over. They're going to go 4 0 out of conference. Right? Like UMass at Tennessee. Really? Western Michigan and New Hampshire, they're gonna they're gonna go four and zero out of conference, and at that point they just need to go what three and five against the rest of the schedule with a senior, senior, senior Kenny Pickett, and you're you're one hundred percent sure they're just gonna stroll into Knoxville on September eleventh against a bad Tennessee team and just roll the helmets out and win that game. I think they're gonna win that game by at least four to six points. Yeah, like. <laughs> Go ahead and mark that down. Mark that down. That's a win. What is six? It's a blowout six-point six win by a Pat Narduzzi pit team. Um, no, like this is this like this is what we talked about a month or two ago. Was that like if you look at this schedule within reason for what Pitt has been in like that program, like this this could very reasonably be like a nine-win pit team. <laughs> like, like who do you feel really good about beating them out of Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech? Uh, Miami, Duke, Virginia, and Syracuse. Like if the Hokies they... own Narduzzi in Blacksburg. Own them. Okay. So that, so they lose that game. They lose to Clemson at home, and they lose to North Carolina also at home. Mm-hmm. Maybe they even lose to Miami at home. Mm-hmm. That's still 8-4. and four. And then again, like UMass, Tennessee, West Western Michigan, New Hampshire, Georgia Tech, uh, Duke, Virginia, and Syracuse. What are the two of those that they're I, losing? Like absolute worst case scenario, I think it's like it's it's seven and five or better. Like, I don't know. You said the total was six, six and a half. I I'm going under. All right, I'm going under. I'm going under. I'm on the other side of this, dude. I'm on the other side of this. I think the UVA game is really losable. They're going to lose to North Carolina. They're going. They could lose to Miami. Absolutely going to lose to Clemson. Could lose to Tech, uh, Virginia Tech. Sorry, the Georgia Tech games a toss up too. Like there are too many toss ups here. I, I can't look at this schedule and say definitively that Pittsburgh is better than seventy five percent of their schedule. <sighs> All right. Well, that's a discussion to have. I, I'm curious. We'll we'll probably talk to Jim Hammett here in the team previews here in a couple of months. I, I'm curious to get his take because I feel like Pitt at this point under Narduzzi is a really like it's a low ceiling but kind of high floor program. Like, and, and just again, against some of these programs and teams, I mean, if nothing else, they're a bunch of toss ups, and some of those coins are going to come up heads and they're going to win these games. So. I, Anyways, six and a half. I really like the over, so uh, we'll, we'll go different ways on that one. I just uh, hope all the teams have fun except for Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, like it, it really wouldn't break my heart to see them go, you know, five and seven or whatever. And it really has nothing to do with I, – I don't have any problem with Pittsburgh in and of itself. I'm just kind of tired of this Narduzzi thing, and I think you are probably too. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Narduzzi sit on his thumb. <laughs> Where I'm at. Wake Forest, six and a half. (laughs) Strong opinions one way or the other? Probably not. I don't know. 
Probably not, but I feel like I'm almost obligated to say over because they almost always outperform expectations under Boston, but that's without looking at the schedule. That's probably fair. Uh, this is an interesting number to me. NC State at six. Oh, maybe. Um, I want to say over, but let me look. Okay, so this out-of-conference schedule, South Florida, Mississippi State, Furman, Louisiana Tech. I mean, I feel like that's absolute bottom-of-the-barrel worst case is like two and two. Yeah. Very feasibly four and oh. a second loss. I mean, I feel like Louisiana Tech is probably a little bit losable. But even yeah. then, that's a home game. I mean, Mississippi State, you got to play in Starkville, but, you know, I mean, like all four of those games are very winnable. I don't okay, well, let's let's say they lose to – well, let, let's say they lose to the weird Mike Leach experiment. Um, Clemson's a loss at BC – Home against Louisville at Miami, at Florida State, at Wake. Home against Syracuse. Home against North Carolina. North Carolina, that's going to be, I mean, it's not going to be a toss-up. I'm just going to say it's a toss-up because it's a rivalry game. I, I don't know. I like NC State this year. I like. I don't know. I didn't like them last year at all. They surprised me. Now I feel obligated to be a Dave Doran truther if Devin Leary's healthy. Big if. Mm-hmm. Big if. Um. He was great when he was healthy last year. I mean, we talked about that on the mailbag episode. He was legitimately good. And very good. If he's able to stay healthy, like that unlocks a ceiling for NC State that I feel like is better than six wins or six and a half wins. I'm going to say over. I kind of think so as well. I mean, the reason this number, as much as anything, the reason it stuck out to me was they just went seven and three against an all conference schedule and eight and four overall. Like, right. you know, a team that's going to presumably get better. I mean, they, they lost a lean McNeil in the draft, but otherwise, I mean, almost everybody else is back. Hopefully yeah, production Devin is back there. and healthy. Like, how's this number six? That's odd. Like, I, I don't see them missing a bowl game. You know, it's no. not like the schedule is a, a real murderer's row that way. So, I don't know. Um, interesting number there for me. I'm probably betting that. Probably. Yeah. Probably me too. <laughs> like, <laughs> Go do that right, right this minute, right this minute. I'm just contemplating how that bet could go wrong, but <laughs> you know, in Dave we trust or whatever. That's right. Are you betting Virginia at six right this minute? Uh, well, they return a lot too. <laughs> Interesting um, out of conference slate here: uh, William and Mary, Illinois, at BYU, home against Notre Dame. <laughs> BYU game sticks out for a lot of reasons. Obviously, um, yeah. <laughs> now, now BYU is not going to be nearly as good without Zach Wilson. Um, Still got to go play that game in Provo for what that's worth. It's weird. It's that's that's a weird game. And they get two weeks off before ND. Yeah. I'm probably leaving um, this one alone, honestly. There's a bunch of landmines, and this this sets up strangely, and 
I mean, Virginia probably should be a little bit better than they were last year. They've had a couple of injuries that have really knocked them down, I think, here in the offseason. But um, this is this is a, a bit of a tough schedule here. I, I don't feel strongly one way or the other with six. I don't either. I mean, you get, you get Virginia Tech at home. On the road to Pitt will not be easy. Home against Notre Dame, probably a loss. At BYU, I mean, going to Provo is going to make that game weird. But Virginia should be favored there, I would think. Um, Georgia Tech game, you get at home. Duke at home, probably a win. <sighs> yeah, I'll probably leave it alone, too, honestly. Yeah. A lot of variance there. Uh, my, yeah. <laughs> my Georgia Tech Yellow Jack is at four and a half. I, I think that number's pretty much on the nose. <sighs> that out of conference schedule so brutal. My God. Do not, do not lose the Kennesaw State game. Whatever you do. <laughs> Interesting you bring that up because that game's more losable than people may think. Yes, it is. But yeah, I mean, you, you start out with you know, Georgia, Clemson, and now Notre Dame on the schedule. By the way, Miami, North Carolina also on the schedule. I mean, I think I remember looking back and it's like you've got four of the SP Plus preseason, like top 11 or something on your schedule. Like, Jesus. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, know. I, I, think, I, I think if you make a bowl game this year, this is a, a pretty successful season, all things told. And I, I think you can make some pretty yeah. good progress and still go like, four and eight or five and seven so yeah i i agree you can't you can't judge the success of year three with jeff collins based on wins and losses i know it sounds absurd but Mm -hmm. they are just not on the level legitimately not on the level right now of clemson north carolina notre dame georgia i'm missing a team probably miami also something like that yeah um yeah that's brutal. Yep. Any interest in Duke at three and a half or Syracuse at three? Um, no. Because okay, I'm not. No, no thanks. <laughs> Either one of them could easily I, jump up and win like five games this year. But yeah, if I was to bet one over out of those two, it, it would probably be Duke because of Cutcliffe, but I think he's starting to lose the benefit of the doubt at this point. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll leave those alone. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. There's your win totals, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least we're entertaining. <laughs> we are trying so damn hard to do something here in late May as we're uh... – just trying to bridge the gap. Trying to bridge the gap. We figure we were talking about this before the episode, but figure there's probably one more episode here in a, in probably two to three weeks that will kind of wrap up the off season, and then probably after the first of July or so, we'll we'll do an episode to kind of start previewing the season. Um, the question that I have, Joey, and this is like forward looking, is this my is this my final podcast as a single man? Do you think, or do you think we'll have one? I know you said that we might have one the first couple weeks of June, but realistically, yeah, um, this could be it. It it could be. Um, 
obviously there is there is time for us to record between now and yes. then. But having time to record and actually recording has not necessarily always been a well correlated thing for us in the off season. So, you know, anything's possible, as they say. It, yes. It, let's just say that um, actually pressing the record button has not been a fruitful endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I will be traveling to your wedding. Uh, we will not you be will. doing a live podcast from the altar, uh, this time. <laughs> so sorry to disappoint those who, uh, who are maybe hoping for that. That would be epic. <laughs> Do you, Fruit Mike, box. want Virginia Tech over or under six and a half wins? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. I do need to watch them play, unfortunately. Uh, Mike, going into this line of questioning tells me it's probably time for us to get out of here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't need to get murdered. Yeah. No. Definitely not. <laughs> um, neither does Justin Fuente, so don't lose to Richmond. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. Don't lose to Kennesaw State. Don't lose to Kennesaw State, Jeff Collins. Those, uh, those flags fly forever at those, those other institutions, and you do not want to have to answer those questions. So, Dear God. Anyways, uh, Mike, let's get out of here. We're going to come back and hopefully hopefully record one more time before you uh, say your vows, and uh, we ask the priest his thoughts on uh, DJ Uyunglele versus Sam Howell for Heisman odds. Um, so we'll, we'll uh, make sure to get that response recorded here one of these days. And another array of topics such as, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. We're going to get out of here. We're going to come back, hopefully record another one. Uh, In the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SOS. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, You can find us on Spotify, on iTunes. Uh, wherever podcasts are sold for free. And Mike, do you want to tell them where else they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Please do. Please do. Appreciate those who have. Um, yeah, lots of places on the social media. We're also on Instagram, so go find us there if you want to do that too. We're, we have not posted anything in months, but we probably <laughs> probably will sometime soon. And you'll want to be there when we do, I suppose. That account is big lit. <laughs> big lit. <laughs> I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Mike. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Mike, you want to come back and uh, do this one more time as a single man? We got to. I, I, we absolutely need to. <laughs> we, we do need to. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.